is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, we take it all the way back to episode 21. This is a very special re-air with Luis Salgado from 2018. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Entertainment X. I get to sit down with Luis Salgado in the Revolucion Latina offices in Times Square to talk about life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, him growing up in Puerto Rico, his choreography endeavors, uh, working on different projects in his life, traveling the world, and really his views on happiness and living a full life. So, I hope you enjoy this episode, and keep on keeping on. We are back, and today with me is Luis Salgado. <laughs> I love, we're just saying, I love saying your last name. Thank you. I love, I love it. Is there, well, no, I'm not even going to ask that. Let's start with our first question here. <laughs> this is how the interview is going to go today. I love um, it. So, right from the beginning, we're going to go back to the beginning of time for Luis Salgado. Mm, Salgado. What did you love about growing up in Puerto Rico? Growing up in Puerto Rico, hmm, I have to, let me see. It's, it's more the, the, the family, the rascally ideas. Um, the other day I saw my son jumping from his bed or from the sofa. And I always remember, oh my God, I used to jump from my house. I used to jump from the roof of my house to the grass. And actually one day I wasn't even trying to do that. One day I was playing like WWF wrestling with my cousins and they happened to be in the grass and I was in the roof. And I was like, and he jumps from the third row. And I like do the gesture to jump, and I actually jumped, and that was the day that I and 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 I saw myself in the floor, and I I roll and I became up like Hulk Hogan, oh, and he makes it out of the third <laughs> room, and so like I think the 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 rascally family rawness that I grew up with, um, you know that I would go on Sunday quote unquote to the church re retreatment, and all of a sudden I just escape with. 12 other guys to the river, you know, and that we spend two hours there and where are you guys? My grandmother was shouting like that rascally family rawness that I grew up with um, gave me, I think, a lot of who I am today. You know, a lot of both the exciting parts of me, the very cautious parts of me and the freedom that I think I strive for every day. Was it always like a party at home? <laughs> it wasn't. There were really hard times too. But um, but there is a sense of um, there's a sense of openness. There's a sense of um, I don't know. I guess the people that live, I don't know, in the middle of the United States might feel that way. With I don't know in Oklahoma that the the space yeah. is big, yeah. and I and for me although you know I grew up with kind of a poor family and whatnot i still had like the sun and the rain and the ocean was near my house so i was free i had so much okay so what was the balance then between like work ethics and the rascaliness yeah well the work ethic it's funny because i think two different reasons one um do you see the examples around you? You know, like my mom, again, because of the situation that she was a divorced mother and uh, she had me and she had to take care of her family basically alone. You see the example of discipline. And although I'm, when I say rascally, it might sound like, ah, you know, but, but rascally is just being a child, being a child and living life. 
And and then the, my mom was an example. My father was an example. My father was in the army. You know, eventually he was a professor. and say he was a, a principal in a school. So I saw I saw the people that that I come from, uh, kind of make the path for them and for myself. So they were disciplined. And then um, I had a wonderful, wonderful uh, dance and theater teacher that w became my mentor for many years. Actually, this morning I texted him and I said, thank you, thank you. And he was like, are you okay? Is everything okay? He's like, yeah, why do you always think something's bad when I say thank you? <laughs> um, no, I'm happy and I'm just grateful because he gave me discipline. Yeah. And long story short, I was 15 when I was still a rascal and when he will punish me and be like, you're not doing this number because you weren't disciplined enough. And at the same time, I was the guy who will, he will leave in charge. And the first time that I was in charge of this folkloric ballet that we all founded, another teacher, him and me, um, my friends weren't respecting me. You know, and all of a sudden I was in this community center trying to run a rehearsal at age 15. And they're looking at me like, who are you to tell us to be disciplined? And I immediately learned that the only way that I was going to get respect was leading by example. So the next rehearsal on, I was the most disciplined kid. I had to. And that just came naturally. I mean, that was out of necessity. Very, very, very naturally. And again, it wasn't like I was crazy, right? It wasn't like I was like, no. when I use the word rascal, you might look at one <laughs> of these Home Alone movies, and that's not what I mean. Yeah. Because yeah. we were talking right before we started recording about to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. And those kids, their discipline yes. is so, it was just so great. And to see the way, and the way you would speak about the piece and to the audience and the way you would speak to them, yeah. it was so like... This now, 45 seconds, and, go. And but it was still playful. As much as I regret the army in my father, um, I do think that there's a, a gigantic sense of discipline that I respected seeing him be the man that he was. Yeah. Um, and that translated to me in the arts with a very specific method called the Suzuki technique yeah. that comes from Japan. And it's very rigid and it's very discipline based and it's very um, confrontational to the conflict of the of the character through your body. And so I that's one of the big things that I use these days as a director and as a choreographer. Um, and people have to be physically, emotionally, mentally ready for that. And I think part of what you're seeing in that discipline comes from that background of Suzuki method, yeah. you know? Yeah, was there anything your father taught you in particular about discipline? Or anything that you learned? I think I learned discipline more from my teacher and my mom. Teacher. Not because my father didn't give me discipline because of the army. Um, again, I had a hate, love and hate relationship with the army through my father and what it represented. So I think I saw more discipline in, in the example of people around me. Again, my mom having $2 to make it through the week and making those $2 work. That was the kind of discipline that inspired me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, we're focusing on discipline a lot here. <laughs> Which is great. But because, and I've heard this Art before. Art is discipline in it so is, many ways. Discipline equals freedom is what I've heard. Yes. And in a way, that's true. Yeah. You have to have a little bit of rigidity. Mm. you know. To I often say to my students and my actors, like, we want freedom, and the minute we get it, we don't know what to do with it. And it's not only in the arts, but it's, in, it's, it's a resemble of our society as well. We're all always fighting for freedom. But the minute we get it, we land into chaos. And we don't know how to control ourselves within the freedom we have. We need rules. We need discipline. We, we need guidelines. We need limitations. That's the only way we grow, I think. I happen to agree with that. So why theater? What made you go into theater? Why not? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All Why right. Not theater. So, okay. So then what, it, so then uh, maybe part two to that would be, what do you love about storytelling? Everything. So, so storytelling is <laughs> a big question. Yeah. It's gigantic. Um, storytelling. Um, I, I think I will have to start by saying the unheard voices. There, there are so many, again, my mom's story, like I'm saying it right here, right off the bat, my teacher's story, um, through who I am, I celebrate not only him, but all the teachers to, who, who, whose names don't come out, but they formed us, you know, um, my father and those guys in there. I mean, like I already, get, I already use so many stories in the, what, five minutes we've been talking about, you know, and, and I think when I look at arts um, and why theater, I look not only at, you know, oh, amazing, look at that building or who did the, the Time Warner building or we're in Times Square, but I look at the lady who cleans this building here in, in Broadway Care's Equity Fights Aids, you know, and like we get to open the door and say hello to her and we get to live in this space because she works here and we might not know her name every day, but we know that we're, we should be grateful to her. So, so through arts, I think from the very beginning, again, because of this teacher, I discovered that storytelling was a way to celebrate those on her voices or, th or those names that don't always get celebrated. And, and part to be tangible in, in how and why, um, you know, he didn't have a theater. So what he did was, let's do a show this week for the ladies who cook the meals in the lunch room. And so there we were performing at the lunch at the cafeteria for these ladies doing poetry and music saying thank you, you know, or, you know, Spanish thing. Let's celebrate all the Spanish teachers in the, in the school in Hispanic Heritage Month or whatever. Yeah. Like there were very little individual moments that our art wasn't just about our art. It was about the way that we, oh, I want to cry. It was about the way we celebrated the people around us and the people that did so much for us and that perhaps we never said thank you. Yeah. And so art in me became, um, this storytelling is not just a storytelling, it's a way of community, yeah. you know, so. And that's so beautiful because I think storytelling can help a lot of people, mm. especially when you have an audience member sit down and they don't expect to hear the story they hear. Right. And then they learn a lesson. Right. What do you think? What do you think theater can teach an average audience member? That's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a bunch of them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I love hard it. questions. <laughs> I love to, to think, so thank you. Yeah. Um, it's a hard question because there's an intellectual answer and then there's a spiritual answer. Um, I think the intellectual answer would be we're not here to teach. <laughs> you know, we do theater because um, we want to provoke you but not teach you. Um, you'll find your own answers. I think that that's how I pro. I you'll find your own answers. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Sorry. You know, I try to approach um, my directing work that way. You know, I'm gonna provoke you. I'm gonna provoke you as hard as I can. Um, can I curse here? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the other day, an actor was making fun of me. It's like I, I was like, great. And then we give them blue balls. And he's uh -huh. like, Luis, you love a good blue balls. And <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's that's kind of my job. My job is to give you blue balls. And yeah. if you exit the theater with that feeling, then you want to do something about it, you know? And so that, I think, will be my, my intellectual approach to how I want to work with theater. Then the spiritual approach is, um, of course, we're here to educate. And I just don't know what I'm educating you at because it, again, depends on what you take from what I'm giving you or what you're willing to take 
from what I'm trying to put in this plate. You know, um, rap time, for example. I had people walked out of the show and they weren't ready to talk about race and they weren't ready to talk about, you know, the politics that's around us today or they weren't ready to hear the word N-word, you know, 20 times in a row. And it affected them in a, in a different way, perhaps because they've used it in their past. And so that's what they will take from it. It's the confrontation with themselves from that versus somebody else that it's like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for I, needed that. I needed that. I, I needed yeah. to see that someone cares yeah. for this story and for how we've been pushed aside so many times and abused with just language, you yeah. know. And, and so the spiritual side of me says, yeah, of course, I'm educating somehow. But it's not my job to f finalize the definition of how, mm. you know? I do. And I like that comment about um, the <laughs> it's funny, I say I like that comment about the blue balls. Uh, <laughs> I was doing <laughs> I was doing a, a production of Parade last year, and uh -huh. the director did not allow the audience, through his direction, to clap uh -huh. until the end of Act One. That's the ultimate blue balls. Yeah, when yeah. they say he's guilty. And they've come to like him, and then he's wrongfully, you know, in the story, the way the story's told, he's wrongfully guilty, and then they, that's the only thing they're allowed to clap at. That's and so it's sad. such an interesting, it gets people, half the audience left, yeah. and we're ready to hear it. Yeah. And there was a part two to that that you just brought up about spirituality. Okay. Um, do you have a, a particular story that comes to mind after a production you were in, or directed, or was a part of, where someone came up to you and had a conversation with you about what they learned? either spiritually like they really or they really loved it it moved them they're like yes 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 or someone who is like you know turned off by it but still approached you to talk about it as Any a performer or as a creative well we could do both yeah. if you have one of each that you're willing to <laughs> sure. yeah um so i think yes so many and um i will go i wasn't actually thinking about this as i was thinking which one i will choose so randomly, Peru comes to mind. Um, I went to Peru, and I got assigned this new project, and I study in two weeks as much as you could study a, an entire culture of hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> and so um, I try to choose my battles wisely. I went to the Amazons. I met with really rich people, with really poor people. I went to, you know, um, the Afro-Peruvian area called Chincha, which I fell in madly in love with. Like, I, 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 I allowed myself as a human being to be touched by as much as I could in two weeks. And then I came here to New York, and I wrote in the next two weeks a show for them and uh you know in that i questioned so much because again what stories are we telling right i could tell the story from the perspective of that lady who i was in her house and had the one million dollar swimming pool and the line gave me like 10 books to read or the whole thing and it's amazing thank you for your support mm. or i could allow myself to be to totally affected by these people in chincha who four years ago at the time that i went there had had an earthquake for years before I went there and they still didn't have windows or doors in their houses. And so you see these realities and you're like, oh my goodness, what is the story I'm supposed to be telling? And, and so I did something very weird, as I probably usually do, and I took the, the national anthem of Peru and I gave it, I took a liberty and I gave it a very dark spin. And so I was, um, <laughs> it would, this was like 20 minutes into the show, all of a sudden, there's something called catatumbas. The catatumbas are this, this, this 
it's like these puzzles, these things inside where they hide the slaves or they punish the slaves and they put the iron, you know, on them and they were there for a few days and it would they're really low sink and so you're they're hunting and that's why they dance like that because they they learn to dance in their in this very lim limited space, um, and so you know, 25 minutes into the show, I am doing this big flamenco number that you know, has a little bit of the influence of the Spaniards, you know, energy and influence in the Peruvian culture, da, 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 and all of a sudden you have this very w small, literally, literally a stare, you know, literally like a, I'm, I'm trying to do a, a physical gesture here <laughs> that explains <laughs> that, but like a short little stare, and from that little stare, I had I created a hole inside the stairs, and from that hole inside the stairs, 16 dancers come down off and there's a big back light blank blanking the audience from this perspective well these shadows of black bodies are coming out and then the anthem is playing in the lower keys possible as if it was death and the first and 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 the subliminal message there for those who knew the anthem was that the first lyrics of the anthems were that weren't sang uh, say we are free let's be free and these people were slaved. And so like stuff like that, I was like daring to try it and explore artistically. And then an audience member comes to you and says, oh my God, I never thought of the irony of my own anthem until I saw that physical moment you just created. And you're like, okay, I quit. I can die today. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, like it, I've served my purpose. <laughs> I served my purpose. Yeah. And so a moment like that becomes so powerful in someone's career. And again, I might not, have my own Tony Award yet, but I have the outcome of that individual who said, oh shit, my anthem is not good enough. Yeah. And so that's, that's just as rewarding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, I don't even, there's so many questions I have from that alone. You do a lot of traveling. Yeah. You teach around the world. Mm -hmm. You consider yourself an educator? I think so. Unfortunately, I, I, yeah, it's weird to say it, but an educated, I, I don't know, define educator for me. Someone who teaches someone something they didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> sure. The thing is that we all know it. But yeah. It's just we don't see it. Yeah. So I am more than someone who teaches someone something that they didn't know. I try to take the vessel or the, the como se dice? The, the fabric, mask the, the mask, veil. Or the veil, that's the word, the veil out of our faces yeah. so we can see what's in front of us. Where does that come from for you? Is that just cultivated over time? Like you just probably <laughs> perform. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't. Know. I mean, I really don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Like, um, it's a collection of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, too much stuff to cover in <laughs> in an hour. We can do another uh, one. Yeah, we <laughs> should. Uh, okay. There's a question I missed earlier when we were talking about family, parents. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about kindness growing up? Wow. Okay, I just give you an example right away, and I I've said this publicly before. Um, back to my mom. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> That's not the goal. Um, Burger King. I'm probably what like eleven years old, and my mom has like five dollars in the purse, and um and I want a loncherita. It's a kids meal, and I remember as if it was now that the kill the kids meal had um uh. uh you will uh, inflate it, crayon. It, w it came in oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the gooey kind the of... gooey kind of crayon. Balloon thing yes. that you blow up. Yes, yeah, it was, like, it was like a yeah. car uh, Happy Meal 
with in the background it was like a Cadillac and that was the cryon and so you will take the cryon and blow it away and uh and my mom bought me the, the, the thing with the $5 she had. And then another mother came in with her son in her hand, you know, and, and said, hey, how much is that? How much is that Happy Meal? And my mom, I don't know, said like three forty nine, whatever it is. And uh, I don't remember. And the lady said to, to her daughter, Bobby, I, I, cannot, I cannot buy it for you. And my mom looked at me like, you see? You see? Not everybody gets the opportunity. You just have to buy this meal come on and took me we went to them and bought them the happy meal with whatever she had left in her purse and so that is kindness in a nutshell and so my mom thank you mom um ha has been a great example to us yeah wow and that shows it shows in the work thank like, you like and i've only seen well no i've seen i've seen a few things you've done <laughs> the <laughs> most recent thing though that which is through revolution latina mm -hmm. which we'll talk about at the end here um you could see that that kindness and that cliche, as it may be, is what the world needs more of. Mm, thank you. But you don't give it, you're not giving, at least to what I'm seeing, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not giving the fluffy, lovey kindness. You're giving the hard truth kindness, mm. the kindness that counts. What is that? What is that? Oh, now I'm being put on the <laughs> spot here. It's the, well, it's the way, it's the way those kids were performing and the way they were loving each other, you know, in those scenes and sonnets and whatnot it wasn't just like uh sparkles and sequins and bright lights and happy time music with smiles it was sad but meaningful yeah you're gonna make me <laughs> i guess it's only fair but it's that meaningful kind of kindness kindness isn't always pretty mm -hmm. it's true and you're incredible at portraying that so thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you. a thank you. The whole reason I said that was a thank you. Thank you. Um, it's interesting, too, because, um, again, the same way that 50% of those students, as we were talking before the interview, don't necessarily speak English, um, the same way that they don't get the same opportunities in life. And so there's something about putting those two worlds together, right? In New York, we get so spoiled, myself included. We, we, we live here. You know, you, you come out and there are how many shows on Broadway for you to see? There's so many, how many schools for you to take? You go to one space like Broadway Dance Center and how many classes can you take between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m.? That's the reason why I move here. And those kids in Argentina, in Colombia, in Peru, in Mexico, in Puerto Rico, in Santo Domingo, they don't have that. Like, like before I came here, you have to wait until Wednesday at 6 p.m. to take the one class you can take. And so it's... Um, when you put those realities together and they listen to each other, there's incredible change that takes place. There's incre incredible kindness that, that becomes potential, yeah. you know? And that, and I've mentioned this a lot, so the listeners have heard me say this a lot. Um, I took a trip to the Philippines two uh -huh. years ago, and for the first time I realized that turning the light switch on and having lights come on is not uh, expected always there in every location. Yeah. Same with the water, turning yeah. on the sink and having fresh, fresh drinking water come out of the faucet. Those, those little things. It's like, how can you have a bad day when you really finally realize how lucky you are to have what you have? And I think the funny argument to your story is that you say the Philippines, right? Which means miles away from where we are here in New York City today. Yeah. Versus 12 time zones. Versus versus just very nearby. 
you know, just just the last year with the, or the last eight months with the hurricane in Puerto Rico. And people, again, realize for the first time after years and years of luxury what it is to not have light or water. Or you go to Cuba, you know, and the, the stories, I just went to Cuba for the first time like a year and a half ago or a year ago, I don't remember. And the stories of, of what, a, what a simple supermarket plastic bag means to them because they don't get them as often as we do as we have piles collected in our house. You know, you go to Santo Domingo and the light can go at any given point. The first mango I ever ate in Santo Domingo, I was what, like 17 years old. I was touring with an artist. And I remember that the girl was like, I gotta cook this for you so quick because I don't want the light to go. And boom, word said and the light left. There was no light. And so, you know, it, it's, yeah, you don't have. And that's my own ignorance. Like, and I've, and I've heard about this and I've read about it, you know, with Puerto Rico and the hurricane and everything, but it's my own and collectively people who do not see this ever or get to experience it, it's their own ignorance where they don't realize, oh, wow, how lucky am I to already have. And that's okay. I, I, and I, ignorance in the simple face of not knowing, not being ignorant, which is choosing not to see it. Right. And, and, and. In that in that idea, no one is to blame. I don't. I don't. This is why I want to clarify the meaning of ignorance in my head, because the problem is those who don't want to see it, right? That's Not knowing it for real is ignorance, but that's fine. You don't know it. You were born with light and water and and, and the food you need and clean clothes. Amen. Good for you. Yeah. You don't have to go and suffer. Why would you? Yeah. But it's seeing that potential and turning your head and not caring that's the worst ignorance and you know i don't want to get political but that's part of what's happening in our governments today they've seen that they've seen that they don't care so that's different yeah that's dangerous that's yeah that's an actual problem sorry i didn't mean to be political no 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 i was still i was i'm thinking about i'm thinking about this word gratitude mm. graciousness and I, I'm trying to craft a question for you on that. I mean, we pretty much see your views on gratitude. <laughs> I was going to ask you what your views are on gratitude. I don't know if you had anything else that comes to mind when I say that, that question, or if we, we covered. Gratitude is such a beautiful, beautiful word. Like, I see, you see that bonnet that's by your side right now, full of colors? When, when I think of gratitude, I think of something like that. You know, it's full with different possibilities, capacities, colors, shapes, you know, gratitude is, I, I love it. You guys are not seeing this, but everybody's looking at a hat right now. Um, yeah, literally a bonnet. Yeah, literally a bonnet. And, um, and I feel gratitude is like that. And I wish I could be more grateful. I try my best, you know, but I think it's never enough. There's so many things to be grateful for. Is and it a daily practice for you? I try. I try. I can show you my text messages. It's like sad because I'm always <laughs> like, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much." Lots of them. I'm yeah. trying to. I'm trying to be better at it again. I think that when I moved to New York, I remember, you know, communicating a lot with people that I was always very grateful for. The people that I knew that I, I'm here in many ways because at some point they believed in me or supported me or or even didn't believe in me and challenged me to grow by not believing. And uh, and I think at some point we get so busy that we we might sacrifice gratitude, you know. And um, I am trying to exercise it even more because I know how important it is. It's very yeah, I agree. It's very important. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna change gears a little bit here. <laughs> I'm curious about how you find the balance between achievement uh -huh. and fulfillment. Are they different? 
I think so, because you can achieve a lot and not be fulfilled by what you're achieving. That's when you that allowed yourself sense. to do things that maybe you're not always happy with for the sake of achieving something. I love the way you're <laughs> taking these questions. <laughs> I do. No, I really do. Yes. Yes. Maybe, exactly. right? Um, when you... We, who was it? Don Quixote? Who said something like, En nuestras locas aventuras, renunciamos a lo que queremos ser por aquello... Renunciamos a lo que somos por aquello que queremos ser. In our crazy adventures, we give up on the, on the things that we are for those things we want to be. And um, that's my be repeat that one more yeah. time. Yeah, in our crazy adventures in life, I'm misquoting Don Quixote right now, Miguel de Cervantes. Um, in our crazy adventures in life, we give up what we are for those things we want to be. Yes, and I've heard that before. Yeah. And I think that um, achievements and fulfillment, fulfillments. It, I'm, I, I don't want to sound like, oh, my God, but they go hand in hand for me because I moved again. I moved to New York and I made a promise and I'm, I, I'm aware of how blessed I am that I have been able to keep that promise to myself, which was I'm only going to do what I love. Wow. So my fulfillment and my achievements are going hand to hand. Yeah. Yeah. OK, that's a good answer. <laughs> what? Sorry. Okay. What for what? Just because I don't want to it to sound like cocky but it's no. like it's hard okay so here's another question yeah for you. cocky and confidence okay you have the confidence to say mm. i'm not going to do anything at yeah. all those know. are different <laughs> they are but it could be sometimes can be a thin a fine line yeah or not it's a fine fine line <laughs> um yes for sure for sure for sure for sure um yeah okay. you, you live and you learn right and you yeah. and there are things that you i think we must become confident with which is not to say I'm going to shuffle it in your face, which becomes cocky, right? Um, and again, I, I think it's because of my own commitment to my dream that I don't want to sacrifice who I am. What I am is I love art. I love life. I come from a humble family, and I want to honor that. And as long as I am honoring that as I work for my achievements, I'm fulfilled. Mm. So it's hard for me to separate it, yeah. you know, versus when am I cocky? Well, when someone is trying to put a big mask in front of me and prove that they have big balls, and then you're like, wait, wait hold on a second. Yeah. I can be as humble as I want, but I also have big balls, so don't fuck with me, right? And that's when you are cocky. That's a different thing yeah. than confident. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.